Hello and welcome to Filling the Sink, a podcast from Catalan News. My name's Lorcan Doherty, and today we're talking about the Sagrada Familia. A work in progress since 1882, the Basilica of the Holy Family, better known as the Sagrada Familia, is an icon of Barcelona. The vision of architect Anthony Gaudí, his dream was to build a Bible in stone to atone for the city's revolutionary sins. On course to be the tallest church building in the world when completed, the newest high point, a 12-point star crowning the Tower of the Virgin Mary, was lit up this week for the first time. Tourists, of course, flock to the Sagrada Familia in their millions, but not everyone in Barcelona is so enamoured with it, including some nearby residents who fear their homes will be engulfed as the Basilica grows. So more on that coming up on the podcast today. Joining me here are Killian Shields and Gerard Escatch folk Hi to you both. Hello, nice to see you again. Hey Lorcan, how are we? So Killian, I mentioned in the intro that a new star was lit up this week for the first time and you were there to see it. I was there to witness that historic event in person, yeah. That took place just last Wednesday, which was a bank holiday over here in Barcelona. It's the celebration of the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. And I suppose it's probably no coincidence that this is a star being placed on top of the Tower of the Virgin Mary. So it's quite a nice symbiosis there. And what was it like down there? There was quite a crowd. Oh my God, the streets, the parks nearby, absolutely flooded with people. I don't know exactly how many, but there were thousands upon thousands. I'd say dozens of thousands easily. And what, did we have a countdown or anything? Or was it just all it of a sudden really, the light is on? Or? It wasn't so much of a countdown, but more of like a religious ceremony. I mean, some priests came out in their obviously religious uh, dress as well. They came out in a bit of a procession before they sort of blessed the tower. The priest's voice as well was blaring out over loudspeakers set up in the, the whole vicinity. And before you know it, just very gradually, we could see the 800 windows of the tower lighting up and then progressively getting higher and higher until just, yeah, all of a sudden the whole star just lit up and the whole crowd just let out an applause and a cheer. 800 windows in one tower. I mean, the thing about the Sagrada Familia's yard is the whole scale of it is just on another level, isn't it? It's, it's a massive building. It's like... When you're coming to Barcelona, when you're flying to Barcelona, it's really, really nice view because you see the whole shampoo at the biggest neighborhood in the city. And also you see like something in the middle, which is humongous. And it's the church is still in construction for decades now, but it's amazing. I really like it, to be fair. Yeah. And it's going to get bigger, isn't it? There's still many more towers to be completed. Yeah, quite a good few. There's 18 envisioned in, in total, but right now there's only nine built. Uh, the tallest one is the Tower of the Virgin Mary. Like I said, that's 138 meters. But the tallest one yet to be built, dedicated to Jesus Christ, the man himself, uh, that's going to be 172.5 meters. Okay, very exact figure. Yeah, you know why? Because Gaudí didn't want to surpass uh, Montjuic, which is the mountain in the middle of Barcelona, which is around 180 meters. He preferred to have a lower building than God's creation. God's nature. creation, nature. Because that's kind of the key of Gaudí's interest there, isn't it? He was a very religious man, but he was extremely interested in nature as well as he saw it as God's work. And those influences are 
all over the Sagrada Familia too. I, I take it you both have been, Kelly and Yes, of yeah. course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I particularly love all of the columns and all the arches that you can see that intricately in, intertwine with one another. They're designed actually to look like trees. I'm not sure if you've seen this yeah. before, but trees that have sort of vines all flowing neatly down alongside it. It's, it's absolutely beautiful. And so much natural light coming in as well. The, the, the arrangement of the windows that they have with all the different colours of the stained glass. Um, it, it's really, really an impressive sight. Yeah, the stained glass is lovely, I have to say. Jared, growing up here, you know, is it the kind of thing you went to on a school trip or? I would say no. No? Like, at least personally, I've only been to Sagrada Familia like less than five times. And the first time I went there was with friends that were visiting me to Barcelona. Mm -hmm. And the second one was because I went to mass inside. But literally, because of my friends, I visited the the building. But if not, I probably would like be talking about the building without even seeing it. Well, that's a classic, isn't it? You don't go and see the kind of more touristy sites in the place where you live or where you're from. It's yeah, it happens all the time, doesn't it? (laughs) I had two visits to it, um, both of them almost exact opposites. One, the very first time that I ever visited Barcelona just as a tourist. And then the second time was only last year when only residents of Barcelona were allowed to visit it for free after it opened up sort of uh, gradually only on weekends and for free and only for locals. I should have taken that opportunity to go because I just went recently and I think it was 26 euro I paid to get in. We'll talk a little bit about the economics later on, but an incredibly impressive and kind of awe-inspiring place. The the, the pillars you mentioned, Killian, you know, you just can't help but look up and the light coming in. Mm. Uh, it, It really is a special place. So we're sitting here in 2021, Building started in 1882. Tell us a bit about the history of the place. Well, you said it. It started over a century ago. They wanted it to finish it in 2026 because that marks the 100th anniversary from Gaudi's death. He passed away in 1926 after a tramway accident in Barcelona. But since then, the Sagrada Familia has changed a lot. It was burned down, not the entire building. The part of the workshop from Gaudi was burned down there are no drawings from the building. There are no modeling. That was during the Civil War. Exactly. Was the anarchists yeah, um, in 1930, burned down his workshop. Exactly, in 1936. And also, after that, um, building was like progressing, but obviously money was not enough. Nothing moved a lot. Like, building was slowly constructing. In fact, in 1926, Gaudi, when, before he passed away, there were only two parts that uh, Gaudi saw when he was alive, Nativity facade and the crypt. And in I think it was around 1970s, mid-70s, they finished the Passion facade. So that was like 50 years after Gaudi passed away. Yeah, and you have to r- realize as well that like in that post-war period, obviously it was a very poor country, so there was very little money going around even to give to the Sagrada Familia this sort of project. Okay, and the crypt that you mentioned, Gerard, actually Gaudi is buried there as well. So there's a little fact as well. Killian, you found out a few facts about the Sagrada Familia this week? I did, I did. When you look at the Sagrada Familia, I've certainly always gazed upon it and felt that the level of detail on it was almost overwhelming. You know, you can spend hours upon hours staring at it and 
it's genuinely a work of art. There's so much happening between the different facades, between the different towers, all of the sort of sculptures and colours and designs. So I wanted to find out a bit more about what all of this means, to find out more about the symbolism, the sort of hidden meaning behind what we see when we look at the Sagrada Familia. So to do that, I met up with Ono Showmaker. He's from the SagradaFreeTour.com. He gives free tours specialising in the exterior design of the Basilica. Let's take a listen. So it, it comes in many levels, actually, to symbolism. It's really like a, like a Russian doll. So the, the Bible made out of stone, that's the, the big picture thing. Uh, a lot of the working class was illiterate. So uh, Gaudi wanted to tell the story of Jesus through imagery, to, through sculptures and, and visual elements rather than through text. But then when you go deeper, there's all these different elements, uh, like each side relates to a different aspect of Jesus' life. You've got the nativity, like the Christmas side, and there's the passion side about the crucifixion and the death and the ascension. Um, and then there's the, the glory facade, which is more about the legacy, the message of, of Christ and Christianity in general. In a more symbolic way, you get things like the, the colorful fruits on the top, which represent like the fruits of the Spirit and, uh, and the Eucharist, uh, the, the body and blood of Christ. Each tower of Sagrada Familia represents uh, different biblical characters, like the tallest tower, uh, which is not finished yet, but which will make Sagrada into the tallest church in the world and the highest building of, in Barcelona. The, the tallest tower has got to be dedicated to Jesus. Uh, the tower they just finished is dedicated to Mary. And then there's got to be evangelist towers as well. And then the 12 outside um, apostle towers too. Gaudi was very inspired by nature as well. Do we see that come across in the exterior of the Sagrada Familia? So there's, uh, there's different elements, again, when it comes to his inspiration uh, from nature. And sometimes literally, in that, uh, especially on the nativity facade, which is a celebration of, of life in general, there's so many little details of plants, of animals, of literal natural elements that were copied one-to-one -one precisely from real living things at the time. But then you also get more sort of inspirational things, like um, how the general design was based on, on, on how uh, slack lines or vines in nature or chains, how, how things function in the real world, rather than starting with uh, mathematical equations and straight lines to begin looking at how things actually behave in, in nature, in the real world, and then interpreting that into architecture. Can you tell me how much of this church, how much of this building that's standing just before us right now was actually designed by Gaudi and how much of it was designed by other architects that followed him? That's, um, that's uh, the question of questions when it comes to Sagrada. There's still different camps on that subject. So some say we can never know exactly how Gaudi wanted it to be because so much of his plans were destroyed. Of course, very notably, some decorative elements like sculptures have definitely been changed a lot. There's no debate about that, uh, especially on the passion facade, very modern looking sort of weird cubist sculptures, uh, which many people are angry about as well. Um, but the defense of that is that uh, they are in the spirits of what Gaudi wanted. They fit the theme of the passion facade. Uh, also, Gaudi himself was a rebel during his own lifetime, you know, challenging what people find found beautiful or normal or good. So that, that spirit has been continued. Were there any elements of it that particularly surprised you or that you enjoyed or want to highlight? 
Um, there's really beautiful tributes to Gaudi himself. Um, there's a sculpture of Joseph on the nativity facade, which physically was based on Gaudi. Uh, and uh, on the passion facade with the Stations of the Cross, there's another example of a sculpture that represents the evangelists that was also based on a photo of, uh, of Gaudi. So these, yeah, for me, that's these kind of heartwarming tributes to, to the visionary himself. That was Ono Shoemaker, our thanks to him. It is amazing the level of detail, especially in that nativity facade. I mean, I was sitting looking at it as well when I was there recently and it was, is that a bassoon player? You know, it's all sorts of stuff that you wouldn't maybe expect to see in a nativity scene as well. Yeah, they've got a harpist, they've got a violinist, various horns and flutes and... A whole band? Yeah. The COVID pandemic, Gerard, has had a big impact on the construction work, hasn't it? Yeah, exactly. I mentioned before that they were expected to finish in 2026, so five years from now. But that date has been postponed without no finish date because their tourist figures decreased. Obviously, during the pandemic, the lockdown in 2020, the temple was closed and they lost around 80 million euros in one year. Mm -hmm. That money is mainly used to pay for the constructions. In fact, in 2019, out of the 100 million euros that they had in income, around 65, 60 million euros were invested in construction. That obviously the year after in 2020, figures decreased to 20 million only, so 80% less of their income. And they had to invest around 8 million euros for the construction. So obviously progress was really slow. And they, you would say, oh, one year close, then you were like, they are going to postpone it for one more year. Yeah, that's what everyone thinks, but it's not the case because they are expecting to have similar tourist numbers to 2019 to predict when are they going to be able to finish it because obviously everything goes on donations and the tourist money that they pay for the entrance. And I mean, in 2019, there was 4.7 million visits to the Sagrada Familia. I mean, it's incredible numbers, much more than the population of Barcelona. Um, And, you know, I think there's something ironic about the fact that Gaudí, not just the Sagrada Familia, but all of his other buildings in Barcelona as well, is like the greatest source of tourist dollars and euros and yen, uh, which is kind of ironic because he lived like this really simple life. He didn't care for clothes and, you know, he was a very religious man. So there's a bit of an irony there. We mentioned that in the post-war era, the construction kind of basically slowed to a halt. And it's only with all this tourist money and donations over the past 20, 30 years that it has really accelerated massively. Yeah, that's a very interesting point because historically it's only been the church that have been financing the construction. So obviously for many years during the first half of the 20th century, there was very, very little money going towards it. So it's only in the past couple of decades that tourism has boomed here in Barcelona that the rate of construction has also rapidly increased. Okay, so it's safe to say tourists love it. It's there that, you know, they, they, they pay their money, they love it. Uh, but there is a bit of a debate in Barcelona, isn't there, Gerard, over its value, maybe its aesthetic value? And, you yes, know. totally. Like, there's people that hate it, either because of the design or because what it represents. Because obviously we have to think about that it's still, it's a church. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a religious building. And 
people say, in fact, there were like two big architects in Barcelona, Uriol Boigas. He was the one that designed the whole uh, Olympic Barcelona. He passed away recently. The, just. Exactly. He said that it was a global disgrace. Like that Sagrada Familia was a global disgrace. I think for, for, for myself, coming from out, maybe you feel the same, Killian, but I just have the Sagrada Familia on this pedestal. Like, you know, you couldn't, I thought everyone loved it or something. Yeah, there's nothing like that where I'm from. Yeah. So, yeah, you see it. It's just so awe-inspiring. Yeah. But I think one of the issues, obviously, is that Gaudi passed away so long ago that... <laughs> exactly. He passed away in 1926. That's 95 years ago. So someone has to decide after his death if... The building keeps going on. How do they construct? How they build that part? We have to remember that during the Civil War, the workshop was burned down. So drawings and 3D models were like disappeared. So who decided to follow and on what basis? They asked for people that had pictures. They asked for like possible drawings that are around. That's what they had used as the basis. But to try to piece together what, what Gaudí's plans it, might have looked like. Exactly. That's literally what everyone says. It's like... Exactly. Yeah, this is something that Ono told me about when I met him earlier on this week, that Gaudí was a very famous person during his lifetime. So he would often have visitors who would be very wealthy, in fact, that would want to visit him. And, you know, especially in the early part of the 20th century, a lot of these wealthy people, these artistic, creative types, they'd have cameras with them. So, you know, on their visits to Gaudí's workshops, a lot of them took photographs, be they of the drawn plans, be they of the, the 3D models created. So the foundation of the Sagrada Familia sort of did out this call to kind of gather any sort of information that they could. So they're quite confident that, well, they say structurally it fits with Gaudi's image, but of course different architects inevitably will put their own fingerprints on it as well. And there was another Barcelona architect, wasn't there, Gerard, who compared it to... Uh, yeah, an Easter cake with figurines on top. Yeah, so one of these monas. In Catalan, it's Mona de Pascua, which is like a chocolate cake with like some eggs or like some... Figure it can yeah. have like a toy on top. Exactly. Ba- basically, soul, yeah. yeah, something a bit. Mm, it's not. It's not a good adjective. No, let's call it for, for uh, you don't want to, you don't want the in artistic in. terms. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. In cake terms, maybe. But if you're describing a piece of art like it, maybe it doesn't speak very well of the art. As well as the debate around the Sagrada Familia's aesthetics, there are also some social issues, including a proposed stairway that could see thousands of people evicted as Gerard has been finding out. Salvador Barroso is the president of a group called People Affected by the Construction of the Sagrada Familia. He's facing eviction. He lives in an apartment near the temple. He has paid for his house, but it's one of 3,000 people who could lose their home. Barroso blames it on a stairway that the temple wants to build. Stairs, he says, weren't in Gaudí's plans. This Sagrada Familia plans to finish the glory facade, the main one in the basilica. But to do so, a 60-meter-long stairway needs to be built up to the entrance. The temple says that an article in the La Beu de Catalunya newspaper from 1907 backs up their claim that Gaudí planned a stairway there. It reads, the temple entrance remains unsolved, and the main door, because of the height, starts at the first floor level, and to access it, Gaudí has designed a bridge over the street, finishing with two big stairways. But Salvador Barroso disagrees. He says the stairway was designed by disciples of Gaudí, and he quotes the building permits that public authorities gave to the constructor of his house. It was 1975 when Núñez y Navarro, 
one of the biggest construction companies in Barcelona, started work on the apartment buildings in Carrer de Mallorca, the street of the main facade of the Sagrada Familia. At the time, the Spanish Science and Education Ministry said there were no plans from Gaudí for those stairs. And the Catalan Architects Association said that it's not possible to attribute the stairs or even a single overall project of the Basilica to Antoni Gaudí. These stairs have been the source of a long-term argument between residents and the church authorities. Before COVID-19, the local council organized a meeting between the main parties, but they only met once, right at the start of the pandemic. L'objectiu que tinc personalment i amb el meu equip és fer reunions diverses amb els amb cadascun dels grups, dels sectors. In November, however, Barcelona Deputy Mayor for Urban Planning, Janet Sanz, announced a new meeting before the end of the year. But Salvador Barroso and the people affected by the construction of the Sagrada Familia say they have not received any invitation yet. No, al silencio. We heard from Salvador Barroso and Jeanette Sanz, the Deputy Mayor for Urban Planning at Barcelona City Council. So, Gerard, do we know how this is going to pan out? No one knows, not even myself, not even the architects or not even the temple, because everything's up in the air. There are some court cases right now, and even Salvador Barroso pointed out that UNESCO only declared the World Heritage status to two parts of the building, not the whole building, as everyone believes. It's the nativity facade and the crib. That's the parts that Gaudí saw before he passed away in 1926. So that's his own actual work. The rest is everything from other architects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This whole controversy around, you know, whether or not the Sagrada Familia can build uh, the stairs, it actually reminds me of another pretty funny story from just a couple of years ago, where in the summer of 2019 is when the Sagrada Familia got its first ever building permit. So <laughs> 130 years it took. The initial application was made in 1885, but just due to a historic anomaly, it it only got its first ever planning permission, its first ever building permit in 2019. That's mad, isn't it? And so much has changed. Like, if you ever see any of the old photos as well, like when they started building it, it was like out in the countryside, basically. And now it is just surrounded by buildings like the one where Salvador Mm. lives, obviously. Um, As for when it'll be finished, well, I think the best answer that I came across was in Colm Tobin's Homage to Barcelona. He tells the story of how people used to ask Gaudí that very question all the time. And his response, my client is not in a hurry. The client for Gaudí was, of course, God. Time now for our Catalan phrase. And you've got one, don't you, Gerard? Yeah, this week is related to architecture, building and construction. It's ser de bona fusta. Ser de bona fusta, which means to be of good... Fusta is like... Wood. Wood, wood of course, yes. I knew that one. So to be made to be of, of good wood. And yeah, to be when, do, when do you use it? Well, in fact, Gaudí was described himself as being of bona fusta. So, good wood. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> strong, like personal, with character... Is it only for people that it does like to describe someone's character or can it be Sagrada Familia, for example, like a building, an inanimate object? I would probably say, yeah, like after all, it's been there for over 130 years and still there. So <laughs> it's strong. Very good. Very good. 
and that's us for today thanks very much for listening thank you Killian and Gerard for joining me today thanks very much Lorcan for having us it's been a pleasure and thanks everyone who spoke to us as well we're back again next Saturday with a brand new episode of Filling the Sink as always until then from me Lorcan Doherty and all of us here at Catalan News keep safe bye for now adieu